Life is hectic, demanding, and doesn't stop. When honest with ourselves, we must confess we often don't know what the hell we're doing. The LARCast is an ongoing conversation about the inclusive and mischievous nature of God's presence. Through the lens of all the things that make up this phenomenon we refer to as life. Astonishing grace and refreshing honesty collide right here for your weekly encouragement. The Lark Cast. My name's Tony, and with me is Russ. Hello, Russ. What's up, my friend? Cheers to you. Cheers to you. On this Cheers fine, you. fine morning. It's fine morning. It's cold here in Florida. Wearing a wearing a Mister Rogers sweater. That's a good one. You had that one when I met you. That's uh, you've had that yeah, one for have. a while. Yeah, this is. Whenever, um, like during the summer months when it gets really hot here and I'm not feeling exceptionally intelligent or soft-spoken enough, patient enough, mm-hmm. I'll cut the AC like way down, dude. And then I'll put this sweater on and like work for a day. Yeah. Yeah. So what you're saying is when you put that on, you put on like this persona of you know, like a very intelligent, very (laughs) distinguished. (laughs) Hold on on now. Hold on. Very, very wise (laughs) individual with that cardigan. Yeah, you own that thing. I met you in the summer of 2014. Yeah. Which, you know, quickly turns into the, uh, the cold cold months of fall and winter out north of indiana so yeah you've been having that one for a while it's a good one 10 years man 10 years of uh just friendship and shenanigans dude and passing on the scandal of jesus we have to do something we have to like like go on the road or something this summer man celebrate that i remember when you and i you know we were i was still in you know, like a pastoral position and you were just coming out of that. And I remember you came out to Northwest Indiana, took you to three Floyds, the brew pub, which shut down during COVID, but it's coming back, which I'm excited about that. Cause I miss that, that double diner burger, man. Sheesh. I miss that thing. But we both, we both had Oxford's on (laughs) with, with cardigan. (laughs) <laughs> I remember that we got a picture. <laughs> we got a picture. We got a picture. <laughs> yeah, that was like back in that day when it was like Goody you had took to... it. He's like, look at these idiots. <laughs> <laughs> you had to maintain like uh you wanted to be hip, you know, so you had this mix of like urban cool meets wise pastor. <laughs> so you had oh. to find like a some some kind of blend of that, you know, so you would Throw that on. Make sure your tattoos showed, or at least at least sported like some vans with it. You <laughs> know, something to like. Right. Yeah, you didn't yeah. want to be straight up like wearing a blazer, you know. So like no, the cardigan no, was like a little bit more of a comfortable, comfortable, yeah. you know, cooler alternative. Yeah, yeah. You wanted you wanted everybody to know which tribe you were running with, which tribe you were not. But you know, it's like. 
you know, usually try to like, you know, a lot of people dress to fit the occasion. You might have a personal style on the weekends, but you wake up, you got to go to work. So you might even have like a dress code or you go out to eat, like, you know, mm -hmm. you got, you know, something you're going to put on versus, you know, just ordering pizza with some friends at home. And I have, I have jury duty next week. Um, so what are you going to wear Tuesday morning? I know that's the question. Like, what do you wear? Yeah. To jury duty. I found a way to get out of that. I've already done it. This is I've successfully avoided two jury duty um asks up until this point. And I'm like, dude, it's not gonna end, so I might as well just do this thing. Yeah. I had a professor in seminary who, whenever he got called in, would just and he got called, it was weird. He got called every year. He said for like 10 years straight, it was the craziest thing. But every time he would sit down and say, yes, I'm, you know, Dr. Brian Davis, I'm the, I'm a very conservative, um, Southern Baptist pastor, son of a North Carolina state trooper. I would love to be on this jury <laughs> dismissed every time. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Now, yep. I mean, I, I would definitely... have to lie on all of those categories, for me to... <laughs> but, but it's a way to get out. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You yeah. Know, I'm kind of hoping like, you know, it's like, yeah, you want it to be, you want it to be done and over with like, you know, case open, shut, close, very clear distinction. Yep. Between, you know, guilty, not guilty. Um, but man, part of me is like, you know, would love to be like a juror on like one of those like hot cases, you know, <laughs> that gets like extended and then you got to like go post up in a motel six for like, you know, three months, yeah. everything gets delayed. Your name gets leaked. All of a sudden, you know, people want to kill you. Or give you money to sway yeah, the like, boat. I generally love to live in that space between people wanting to kill me and people wanting to give me money. <laughs> it's called it's called LARP. Yeah, it's called business. <laughs> it's called letting Jesus say what he actually said. And uh there's only two camps. Only two camps, man. That's well, you hilarious. Know, your your brain, you know, goes to, you know, how, well, how much are they paying jurors off with these days? Yeah. Yeah, man, if there's a way to, you know, get a retirement house out of this deal, dude, I'd, I want to jump on it. Yeah, I don't want to obscure justice, but if there's a boat involved or something, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the, it's like the Lark newsletter. We respect your privacy, unless, of course, someone offers us a free trip to the Bahamas for a week, by which case you might be getting emails from Reebok and Amazon. Yeah, that's definitely in our, our disclaimer on the website. We will protect uh, your information. You know, speaking of speaking of the two camps, man. Right. The 
dang, dude, this is funny. Like we just kind of got on here to laugh about something in real life, but I am finding myself having one of those hashtag pastoral moments. Um, yeah. Cause it ties right into what we're talking about in Galatians. This is like right where Paul's at. He's dealing with a crowd that is struggling and a misunderstanding and therefore a misplaced identity mm -hmm. and not understanding that there aren't multiple camps and tribes to choose from. And then depending on how you dress and where you hang, you know what I mean? You get to, you know, that defines who you are. It's uh, actually already been defined. Mm -hmm. There's only, there's only two camps. Well, yeah. And especially for a crowd that's primarily Gentile, and for the longest time, they're told they don't yeah. belong, you know, in relationship with the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, you know, and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Paul comes down, preaches the gospel, um, you know, the life, death and resurrection of Jesus for all people by faith alone, apart from performance, apart from, um, you know, a life and journey of success. Mm. And they all believe in. Paul baptizes them and man, they're running, they're loving it, you know? And then all of a sudden, you know, the seminary professors from Jerusalem come down and kind of play on their inferiority a little bit. I think that there's some, something, some of that going on too, you know, to where they already kind of felt like they weren't worthy. They were outside of this thing. It wasn't extended to them. It wasn't available to them. Um, mm. and, and Paul preaches really the, you know, um, the ongoing revelation of what this God is like in Jesus to say like, no, everybody's included, but then here's these dudes down here. It's much like, you know, when you're on the outside of the church world and you man, Jesus starts revealing himself to you. And you start mm -hmm. like reaching out to some friends or like studying a little bit. And you're like, man, like this is, and this is awesome. It's not what I thought at all. And then you go plug into a church. And then mm -hmm. all of a sudden they got a bunch of stuff for you to do. Yep. A bunch of tracks for you to get on. A bunch of ways yep. for you to start getting assimilated. And you start to like trust that because you're new to it. Yep. Um, And it's kind of kind of pretty similar to what's going on here. Yeah. There's an idea of it's, it, it all starts. It seems to be rooted from my experience in churches that I've led, worked in, uh, traveled in, like done various trainings, consulting, right. With coast to coast doesn't matter. They all seem to start with this idea of there's an ideal you that God desires. Mm-hmm. And one that God needs to fix the world. And one you need to be to truly yeah. be counted in the end. Yeah. And so it's a constant cycle of creating this um, divine dilemma in your life. <laughs> you know, it's an endless cycle of creating this divine dilemma, in which case something else that you need to do to be, to grow. And therefore you need to get on this track and you need to be a part of all these things that are going on. 
And then of course people try to tie it to like a verse here or a verse there, you know, take them completely out of context. Um, but before long, yeah, you're, you're basically drowning under this endless weight of an imaginary sail you're failing to become mm -hmm. in an imaginary society you're failing to achieve. And that's difficult, but, and we could get into all that and where it plays out, but I think what Paul's getting at here in Galatians at the end of chapter three is he's sort of getting into like the root of that, you know, he's, if you think about it, like if you back up like into like last week's episode earlier in chapter three, he's revealing this misunderstanding that they have of the law. Okay. That has resulted in using it as a playbook to achieve a safe and successful life. Mm -hmm. And so they live in a constant fear of failure and thus never actually live. They're never actually free because the people who are free to fail are the people who live. They're the people who experience what faith actually is. In the words of Eugene Peterson, there are people who find the freedom to stop this imaginary cycle of trying to be right and instead learn to be human. Mm -hmm. And in their humanity, get to experience who God is and right, and to, to learn from there. And so anyways, he lays out this whole like freedom that you have. But what's cool is in this he then moves to why that is. It's almost kind of the opposite of the way I teach. So I'm kind of like finding myself going, maybe Paul knows, <laughs> knows, knows better than I do. He kind of starts with the tension, you know, and, and then paints a picture of what could be and how you got into this mess. And then he gets to, here at the end of chapter three, that this misunderstanding of the law and the misuse of it and the loss of freedom comes from a misplaced understanding of your identity. Hmm. You've misplaced your identity. That's what he's saying to him. And it's, I mean, it's pretty plain. Like if you go right here to, to the end of chapter three, like verse 20, I'll back up just a couple of verses. Well, really quick for those who this might be their first podcast lark cast that they're listening to we're in the book of galatians and we've been so for a hot minute yes yeah Good call dude hey call. i'm always looking out for the listener you are man that's why wherever you are if you're listening to this i got you dude i'm looking out for you yes just them just them just them screw everybody else that's right somebody should put you on a jury so in verse 26, it says, In Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. That one's kind of cool, man, because in verse 26, he really gets into this whole all thing. Okay, It's not saying that everyone believes, but there's no existing outside of Christ. And then in verse 27, for many of you as were baptized into Christ, you've put on Christ, right? Amen. You've awakened to reality. Verse 28, there is therefore neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Mm. Not some, not many, one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, you know, the one that he's been making this promise to long before the law ever showed up? Yes, that's you. 
You are heirs, it says here at the end of chapter three. Heirs, bro, according to promise. You're not an heir according to performance. Right. You're an heir according to a promise that God mm -hmm. made and kept. Dude, that's the best damn news and the only permanently good news any of us are ever going to hear, man. Yeah, because the jackasses from Jerusalem are trying to tell you your inheritance is rooted in your performance. Yes. Yep. Your your performance, your gender, your race, your class. Okay? That's what they're tying all this to. Mm -hmm. And that's why Paul tells them, listen, there is, therefore, neither Jew nor Greek. Okay? That's a, that's a, that's a race thing. There is neither slave nor free. That's a class thing. Mm -hmm. There is neither male nor female. That's a gender thing. Mm -hmm. He's not, you know, Paul isn't, he's not dumb. And you can go into the rest of all the things, you know, letters that, you know, that he's written, things that he's taught. He's not going around saying, oh, that's right. I'm just a floating being. I'm not, you know, I don't have these male reproductive organs. Therefore, I'm not a male. You know, it's, that's not what he's saying. He's saying these aren't, these aren't identity markers. The way Shelley describes it, I thought was a great, a great line, dude, is uh, he says, distinct distinctions are always appraisals of worth. Yeah. Distinctions are always appraisals of worth. It's so and true, that's man. what these people are living in. And we're like, oh, man, that's so that's so barbaric. That's, you know, that's just so ancient. And I'm like, well, that then there's your there's your evidence for the complete and utter failure of all that we think of as progressive that humans have progressed because guess what i'd say we are far more entrenched in this myth than they were oh dude absolutely like, dude, i mean this just take the basic world, man. yeah just take the basic normal level of distinction you know that exists mm -hmm. just in the professional worlds that all of us live in like if you have a job right um yep. if you're a student i mean it's distinctions all day long all, all day. day long but then culturally more than ever distinctions dude class political affiliation yep all of it all of these things it's uh and i get it man like a a a species that has a long history of not doing what to do with freedom because it's in love with a, a myth of control. It's going to always try to grab on to anything it can, right? It's always looking for a handle man of defining who I am and who they're and who they are. I got to know the ins and the outs, the us and the thems. And so we just seem to have this, very, very, very long track record from the garden. Yep. Of trying to define ourselves outside, right? God. Of course, as you go through Galatians, you see Paul talking about people who are under the power of sin or those who, right, are in Christ. And what he's referring to there is not power of sin. I think we have to understand the word sin is best described in the letters of Paul, in relation to all that Jesus has done and declared, the word sin is best described as like the spirit of self-reliance. Okay? Yeah, a broad because category of unbelief 
But yes. in your unbelief, you're only left to be your own Lord and master and, That's you know, figure it out it on your own. Yep. Because, I mean, John's pretty plain. And we got into that in the Gospel of John, which is a great series, by the way. Uh, if you're new to the Larkast, feel free to back up. And uh, you I can did check like that John. out. That was good. But, dude, he was so clear in that, right? Like, this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin, right, of the world, cosmos. He's taken it away. This thing that defines us no longer defines us. However, what Paul's saying is, okay, this thing might not define you because, right, if all died in Adam, all live in Christ, right? We see that in the Scripture. There's no existing outside of him. What Paul is getting at here is, is no, there's only two camps of people in the world. There are those who have awakened to reality that Jesus is their life, and now they're free from the endless project of self. You're free to stop defining who you are and who you're not. And then on the other hand, are people who live under, okay, Scripture is referring to power of sin. It's like it's under the power of this myth. They live in the spirit of self-reliance. Ephesians 4, Paul says they live blind to reality. Mm -hmm. You live blind to reality. And therefore, you're defining, everything in your life is built around defining yourself as a good Jew or Greek or male or female or slave or free or woke or oh. not woke or right or left or mm -hmm. just keep going down, right, the line. Well, and those those cultural distinctions are so powerful. And, um, you know, everyone tells you, you have to make those distinctions, you know, mm -hmm. yourself. And all of us, dude, you know, no one drifts towards the gospel. No one drifts mm -hmm. towards Jesus. We all drift back into um, these cultural, personal, you know, professional categories. And it's yep. so strong, you know, and we all find ourselves to one degree or another bewitched by them, you know, which is why yeah. Galatians is so relevant for us right mm -hmm. now i mean dude we're in an election year you know it's, it's heating coming. up it's heating yep. up and so clinging to jesus as your only righteousness man it's going to create a lot of tension in you because in a lot of ways it's a lot easier to live in this world by hanging on to distinctions and then finding yourself in community and a relationship with people who hold the same distinctions. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this will be enough to drive you crazy. Yeah. It's odd too. Cause in the name of following Jesus, which was someone God in the flesh living among us who went in and saw community form around the scandal of who he is. And that community was made up of rich, poor, male, female, Jew, Greek, right? Even just his politically left, bro, you right? Know? Uh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like he he goes and proclaims this, and there's this freedom that's found in among all kinds of people who would never otherwise ever ever associate. And they were finding a freedom from these mythical definers that kept them separate people yeah 
And it's just right. odd to watch in today because I've been there, man. Like in the name of following Jesus, we do what you just said. We find some definers and then we go and distinguish ourselves and then we then find community around that. And that's the tribe we live in. And now there's the us, them. And we, we do this in the name of following Jesus. I'm like, you could cut the irony with a, with a knife. In a lot of ways. Yeah. These Judaizers, not in a lot of ways, they're literally like, you guys need to become Jewish. Yeah. This yeah. is, this is what you, what you need to do. Jesus isn't enough. So now it's all, you know, it's the commands, it's the dietary restrictions. It's the observance of days and, you know, ceremonies and, you know, those kinds of things. He's going to kind of get into, you know, some of that, yeah. that language. Um, and um, <clears throat> yeah, dude, Jesus does away with all of that. He becomes the only distinction. Really yeah. what Paul is saying. It's not like there is no distinction in the cosmos. There's no distinction in Jesus. But the only distinction Paul makes is between Jesus and the powers that be that keep us enslaved under unbelief. Yep. There's yep. only two That's categories. It. And what's crazy is outside of Jesus, um, they're all the same. They just masquerade, you know, they have different masks, but it's all the same. It's a good way to put it. So it's like, you know, um, you know, conservative and, and liberal, you would think that those things, they're so different. Like society would have us believe like, oh my gosh, there's, there's just like exact opposites. And in some ways they are. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, for sure. But when you really boil it down to like the level at which Paul is um, taking it here, way, mm -hmm. way down to the core, it's just another way to find your own righteousness in light of the unrighteousness of someone else. Yeah. To find yeah, an identity a... in how you vote, what you do, what you believe. It's all the same. Yeah, we've seen a lot of people voted in to positions of power because of an insecure society desperate for the acceptance of those who will applaud them if they vote for them. A society that'll that will accept them if they vote for such and such. And you could find that on both, right? Both sides of the aisle. So I'm not saying that in Jesus we can't grab onto things that we believe and value and therefore make a decision on what we vote for. Yeah, like it's we're possible all for to that. be a citizen and not, you know, you have to engage with it. But there's this there's this heart spiritual level, you know, that's right. in all of us. All of us are made to worship you know, or we're made for yep. something else beyond ourselves. And it's like the human heart can't help, but take it just that step further yep. to say, I'm righteous because I think these things and damn the rest of you to hell because you don't see it my way. Right. Or even if you do it politely, because <laughs> you could even do it politely. Paul is, is saying to them, you are defining yourself by something that is a myth. Mm -hmm. you're someone who is he's literally telling them you're delusional 
Think about that. You're delusional. You've grabbed onto something that is a myth, a non-reality that you are using to define yourself. You're free of this. And you're free to join me in what I'm doing in you and even in the lives of other people around you who are going to be very different than this. It's not saying you can't have an opinion and vote, right? And I just think there's, like you said, man, it gets down to the core. Like I was thinking about this in a conversation I was in recently where this guy was just really adamant about this. I might have talked about this before. I don't know. But I had another conversation again just recently. And it was back to this popular, I don't know what you call it, picture meme, something that's floating around on social media of a church, basically an outdoor church bulletin that said, history without discomfort is propaganda. History, history without, without discomfort is propaganda. Is propaganda. And we were in a conversation about uh, race, gender, um, class, you know what I mean? Like kind of in all this conversation, election, political parties, the problem in the world. And for him, it was, there's a major issue going on in how we think and how we vote now because of all that's been done with history. And he, uh, of course, I've, I've got people that I've been talking with who think on on a different side of the of the aisle about this one. But for this guy, it was it was the buttering up of American history and the ignoring of certain things in American history. And what we don't understand is that history without discomfort is propaganda. Hmm. And I said, well, why would what do you mean discomfort? And he started to get into that. Like it was like feeling this guilt, feeling this shame right? In our lives, depending on uh, what color skin we have, depending on what socioeconomic background we come from, depending on what gender we have and what position we've held within business. These were things that we really needed to, to feel the weight of. And I said, I just had a curiosity, man. I said, why, why would someone feel guilt and shame for what someone else did? did who's not them like where does where does your personhood end and as we kind of got into it i was kind of painting some pictures of like all that you know like how that can really veer off into some pretty dangerous territory before long man you're like running around and celebrating and high-fiving people and taking credit for something that somebody did a thousand years ago He's like, well, that's just insanity. I'm like, well, it's also would be just as equally insane to feel a guilt and a shame for what someone did long ago. I said, man, this like this this desire to identify who you are based off these markers, it's a tricky thing, man. And so instead of getting like really dark with him, I decided to just have fun with it for a minute. I was like, like, for instance, my history, where do I go? Well, what are you, Russ? Do I say I'm Scottish? Because like my 25th great-grandfather was Robert the Bruce, the King of Scotland. I can show you that in our whole bloodline thing that family history's done. So I'm Scottish. I said, but then I come to find out through all these things that my 16th great-grandmother was Pocahontas. 
So am I Indian now? I can keep going. My ninth great grandfather was the chief surgeon in the Revolutionary War attached to George Washington. His freaking papers were signed by John Hancock. I can go high five all the all the <laughs> diehard Americans over this one. I've got a, a great 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 grandmother like who died of for Christmas, dude. Oh no, I've known these things for years. Just kidding. But Rusk I'm just laughing about like, this. Well, I'm just saying, like, I can start to go down all these roads. I said, but but then, but then I get to like my, my sixth great grandfather, who squandered all of the wealth and all that he achieved away. Or do I go on the other side of the family where I find out that my ancestors were actually slaves? Do I go that route? And the guy's kind of looking at me. And I said, you see how tricky this gets, dude? Is before long, you what you have to do is you have to pick up some point in your history that you can feel like matters and you can identify with. Mm -hmm. And then you have to ignore the rest. Mm -hmm. Can you do that with good integrity? Mm-hmm. And he goes, no. And I said, eventually the whole thing feels what? He's like, maddening. Correct. It's yeah. maddening. I'm just talking about it from a practical level. Not only right. is it a myth for me to say that I'm any of these people because I'm not. It doesn't matter if they're in my bloodline or not. They're not who I am. Mm -hmm. See, Russ begins the day Russ comes, right? You know, conception, the scriptures say, right? That's the birth of the soul. That's the birth of you. That's where I begin. I'm not someone else and they're not me. My history doesn't start before 1978. And I'm just throwing all this out to say, man, there's, if you're not careful, you can start to take some of these things and run down all kinds of roads mm -hmm. of striving to define you and define them and correct this and, and project that. And it's like, dude, this is, Paul says this is slavery. Yeah. And it's, it's I slavery. think what you're, what you're really pointing out again, goes back to, I think just the human heart. It longs yeah. to find a place. It wants rest. It wants yeah. security. And there's a lot of uh, fugazis. There's a lot of freedom fugazis. Dude, I watched Donnie <laughs> Brasco again <laughs> over Christmas and New Year's break. <laughs> so, so good. Um, there's a lot of fugazis out there, you know, and yes. a lot of fake freedoms. And I think that's why um, the word rest is often associated, you know, with Jesus in the scriptures is because, dude, our, our hearts are these like just restless, constant anxiety ridden, you know, things yeah. like the core of who you are. And it just longs for meaning. It longs for place. It longs for righteousness. Um, and like, man, when you discover the good news amidst of all these personal and cultural, you know, fake pathways that you can grab onto, dude, you're going to run ragged. It's like Augustine said, you know, our hearts are restless until they find their rest in thee. Um, and it's, it, it's not like once you grab onto Jesus, there's not going to be tension. 
because you mm-hmm. live in this world of everyone wanting you to agree with them and get on their side. Um, there's lots of tension. There's not a lot of tension when you, you know, grab onto a certain, you know, belief and then a people that, you know, believe that thing. And then you get like secluded, you know, in this like real narrow minded community, you know, God says, you know, the scripture says, you know, man, we're just as he loves the world, you know, we're in this world and saying, man, like everyone's made in his image. There really only is one distinction in this world, Jesus and the power of sin. And so for those of us, like we have a heart for all people and there's just something there that's just not going to allow you to like slip into those fugazi distinctions, these fugazi freedoms, you know, and you find yourself just being open to friendship with a wide variety of people. There's a lot of freaking tension in that. Yes. A lot. Yes. And you could ease that pain. You can ease that pain by secluding yourself, you know, in community with others who, you know, think just like you. But be careful, man. You know, be yep. careful not to get bewitched because there's plenty of opportunity out there for it. Oh, yeah. Just look at what you intentionally tag and don't tag. Look, right? Like, I'm just saying, like, even just something as simple as that, you can find yourself going, dang, dude, this thing is pervasive. <laughs> you know, yeah. This, like, this self-reliance to find me through fill in the blank, it's just... And then the the acceptance, the sense of community, belonging, right, that I find from it, which case mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, until you say one thing opposite, and then you find out that that whole thing you've been building your life around actually isn't it. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's, it's, it's a dangerous thing, man. It gets, it's slippery. It's slippery beyond belief, man, these attempts that we make to be our own savior. And so I think that's kind of what Paul's just driving home here. He's looking at these people who have been bewitched. And I'm just going to say it right here. He says, pretty plain, verse 26, for in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. So let's be clear. There is these, these categories that you're using to define you or define them. They're myths. They're myths. Okay. Um, yes, I am born and raised in America. Yes, my my race is white, Caucasian. Yes, I am a male, right? Sure. But these things do not define you, Paul says. They are not what defines you. Never have, never will. And you can keep running down, you know, those different categories because they're they're endless today. So he says you're free of that. Here's the fact. Very last verse, verse 29. If you are in Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring. That's news. That's not advice. That's good news. No, no, no have to's there, no how to's there, just good news. If you are in Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring. You're an heir according to promise. Mm-hmm. Not pedigree, not performance, not prestige. A promise. Promise. This is who you are. And it's who those days over there are. 
That's what he's driving home here. The only difference here I'm telling you is to receive this identity, to rest in this, to be free in this. Because it's in that that you get to love on people in and around you. As those who are not bad and somehow need to be brought over to the good side, they're mm -hmm. just blind. Yeah. And they need someone to help them see the reality of their identity. And their creator and sustainer, his name is Jesus. Well, too, like from a no very friend. practical standpoint. Yeah, that's good news for sure, man. Like, love that. And especially for them, you know, they're they're being bewitched to get on mm -hmm. a trail to become Jewish to really prove that you belong to this, you know, whole thing. And the performance that's based in the law, he goes to show that the promise to bring this to the entire world was given to Abraham long before the law ever came into place. But when you find yourself in Jesus and then also equally like a citizen, because your security and your rest is found there, it I think it allows you to be a little bit more honest, man, you know, about some of the cultural issues, about some of the stuff kind of going on because Again, dude, like performance is found in all these other camps, yeah. all these other communities, all these other relationships. And if you say or question anything that doesn't toe the line, you know, it's like you're out, you know? Yeah. And so like a lot, in a lot of ways you have to like, just blindly like accept, you know, all, all these things, no matter what the category is, it could be a theological sub camp, you know, within Christendom, it can be a political mm -hmm. one. Um, it could just be, there's something going on, like in your company, you know, and like your friends over here, see it one way or whatever, or everyone hates this one person. And so we rally around like, yeah, this person's a, you know, a douche or whatever. And it's like, you know, because your securities in Jesus, I think it allows you to be a little bit more, more honest about it instead of being like bewitched, you know, inside of these camps. Oh, yeah. Yeah, dude, I've quoted Capen on this one line more times in the last week than I have in the last 10 years from conversations that I've been in. Russ, what keeps what keeps the good news from actually really being what it is in formalized, organized, institutional, whatever you want to call them, churches? From mega to micro, what keeps that from happening? And I always go right back to me to to Capen's conclusion on that because I think he was spot on. Because the pastor preaching the gospel from the podium is just as addicted to acceptance as the people sitting in the pew. <laughs> Bro, yep. the things that we post and don't post, the things we say and don't say, that the people will tag, the people we don't tag, the organizations we tag, the ones we don't tag. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? The rallies we go to, the ones we don't go to, the pictures we'll take at a concert, the pictures we won't take at a concert. I mean, it's, just, it's endless. Yeah. When you, if you track it down the trail, man, it's like, oh. Well, it goes back to what you're saying. Human, like... sinful, self-reliant desire for an acceptance, which ironically is funny that you already have with God. But we're so desperate for the acceptance of finite people. 
that we fail to live free. And that's, I think that's why he moves, as, as I was saying at the beginning of the podcast, he moves from that picture and the whole misunderstanding of it then to the misplacement of the identity that's led to all this. Mm-hmm. So I'm with you, bro, 100%. It won't be easy. And I think you can do it with kindness. And I think you can do it with a love for people. But if you share what's true and help people grab onto reality, especially, you know, in a day where reality seems to be so foreign to us, um, there there will be people, Jesus was pretty plain about this, there, there will be people that hate you. And if your construct of, of life is being a Jew, good Jew or good Greek or a great man or a great woman or, right? If these identity markers, these aspirations of worth or what you're after, that's going to be hard. But if you can find the freedom from those, it's the easiest way I know how to say it is it's the freedom to be nothing in and of yourself. To get lost in the life of Christ. That is what it means to live the life of faith. Amen to that. We need each other, right? And we need constant reminders because I don't know about you, Tony, but I ain't that damn good at this. You are good at farting, though, as your mug I says. Am. I am, as this mug says, from my six-year-old the... who thinks it's the coolest thing on earth. Him picking your mug says you're the me. best farter ever. And as someone who has traveled with you, you know, quite a bit. Yes. I've smelled those farts. Yes. And they are nasty. And see, right now in this very moment, I'm I'm finding myself wrestling with the identity that I have built up on this podcast. That's been just completely torn down now. Because well, you showed up with that, with that cardigan, <laughs> you know, you showed up with that cardigan. But then, it, you know, as the oh, as the episode went on, it got revealed that you got some stank farts, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that is that is the truth. <laughs> that is the truth. And uh, thankfully, 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 this smell does not define me. <laughs> well, it certainly doesn't come across through a podcast, which is good. So. That's definitely that. it's only only audio and video is translated through this conversation. Yep. yep. Everyone's safe. Everyone's safe. Till next time, y'all. Yep. Be encouraged. Cheers. Cheers.